0: Uh, Hey, uh, Nate, have you seen the Bacta? I've I've been looking everywhere and I cannot find it. I'm feeling freaking terrible. I was going to try and take a quick dip before we uh, started everything up. When you
1: say, have I seen it, are you asking that literally or are you actually meaning, do we have
0: any? I mean, like, do we have any? No, we do not. I thought that, like, I just ordered a ton the other day.
1: You did. You did. Um, so, cool thing here. Um, so, you know how if you put the bubble bath in the water or in a fountain, it's, it's cool looking and it makes for a fun prank? Um, so, a couple of us thought, you know, if it works with soap and soap makes you clean and better, maybe Bacta would be even cooler to dump in the fountains. Um, didn't really work, but I think we have a new market for a health drink.
0: Okay, when you say a couple of us, you really just mean you, right?
1: Uh, yeah, pretty much. Enjoy your stay across the city. Hey, what have we here? I suggest a new strategy. Get the you truly really belong here with us, fucking club. Don't
0: get excited! Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars collecting and gaming. Currently, we are 254 days away from Star Wars Rogue One, but in the meantime, we're going to talk about some Star Wars collecting and gaming here at uh, our fabulous podcast in the clouds. We are actually a part of the Star Wars Report Network, which you can find us at starwarsreport.com, and you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in. Uh, you can just go there, click and subscribe, and if you don't mind, take a minute and just give us a little review that helps other people to find our podcast as well. And I'm your administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris, and joining me back again this week, Nathan Butler. Hey, everybody. Send a to please. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little under the weather. Um, Paul under, you mean the-
1: ran over like a truck, right? The way you know you're kind of sounding you sound you sound like I was a couple of weeks ago
0: oh man i think it's this pollen it's so bad it's yeah those so who bad. have never
1: lived in georgia don't know the power of the pollen when you wake up and your car is covered by this yellow nasty dust every single morning and you mm-hmm. know that a nice chunk of that type of stuff is also getting into your body system when they're giving you weather reports in the morning that include the pollen
0: count you know you're in a different world now. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty fantastic when you're like uh, the weather is always terrible. It's either too hot or too cold and then on those nice days get ready for yellow snow and not like pee. I mean like pollen. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I was trying to make I was trying to get back to the whole illusion of uh Somehow it being got like weather and then I'm like no, nah, whatever <laughs> yeah I,
1: I will say it's been it's been absolutely gorgeous the last few days, but yeah accompanying any time of really nice weather in Georgia you've got a lot of pollen coming in so my wife and i will open up the windows we'll open up the the little deck door let the breeze come in and by about seven o'clock both of our heads are just absolutely pounding from the pollen and such but it's nice while it lasts
0: yeah so oh well but uh let's talk about some madness again
1: Yes, we've got an update on This Is Madness from StarWars.com. My brackets are still all kind of screwed up. I've stopped really tracking it on a day-to-day basis. But basically, here's where we stand. As of when we're recording this uh, on Thursday, the 31st of March, we had Obi-Wan beat Padme, which is probably not a good thing. There's probably a better way to phrase that. Um, (laughs) R2D2 said Anakin did it. Yeah, Anakin did it. Uh, R2-D2 beat Sabine Wren, but then Obi-Wan beat out R2-D2. Luke beat Hera, Han beat Chewie, but then Luke beat Han, uh, which I found kind of surprising given the Force Awakens and all. And then Obi-Wan was defeated by Luke. So right now Luke has entered what you might call the Final Four. Then we had uh, Yoda beat Finn, Ahsoka beat BB-8, but then Yoda beat Ahsoka, Rey beat Ezra, Leia beat Poe, and then Rey beat Leia. So the next big matchup to get into the final four will be Yoda versus Rey. One of them will go up against Luke. Then on the dark side we had Vader beat the fifth brother, Jabba beat the seventh sister, then Vader beat Jabba. We had Palpatine beat Ventress, Maul beat Tarkin, and then Maul beat Palpatine. And in the first matchup, there heading into the final four, we had Darth Vader and Darth Maul up against each other. Fittingly, I guess, given uh, Rebels having its season finale with both characters in it, and Vader came out on top. So he's our first dark side entry into the final four. And then for the rest, the other quarter or so here of the uh, the brackets, we had Kylo Ren defeat Jango Fett, Dooku defeat Phasma, that Dooku defeat Phasma, and then Kylo Ren defeat Dooku. Boba Fett defeat Hux, Grievous defeat Kallus, and then Boba Fett defeat Grievous. So the next matchup to figure out who's going to go into the final four will be Kylo Ren versus Boba Fett. So it's really just a matter of a few days left. By the time next week is out, we should have a winner in This is Madness, the unspecified Star Wars character tournament
0: where no one's quite sure (laughs) what it's based on, but everybody wants to vote. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> no one knows the rules and nothing really seems to matter but go. So, currently have you looked at the today the the voting options are Yoda versus Rey and Kylo versus Boba? Have you have you seen where there's everyone's standing on that right now? Yeah, it looks like right now Rey is beating
1: Yoda, which I think that's where it really comes down to the dominance of The Force Awakens. I expected Han Solo to beat out Luke because of his heavy role in The Force Awakens, but that didn't happen. In this case, it seems, at least, that Rey is coming out on top. I think that Rey making it to the final four is no surprise. Rey making it to the final pairing, I think, is going to be no surprise. I'm I'm of the mind that Rey is going to take it all, and so is my wife. But then again, I've been wrong plenty of times on this already. And then we have Kylo Ren versus Boba Fett, and again, Kylo Ren is on top. Now, at this point, as we're recording this, it's only a little less than a 10-point spread between Yoda and Rey, but it's over a 20-point spread for Kylo Ren and Boba Fett, with Kylo Ren just easily walking away with this, which again, I think is a testament to the strength of The Force Awakens and how much it's it's ratcheted up interest here. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see out of Rey versus Luke, because be Rey and Kylo Ren versus Vader, whether essentially the hero and villain from the classic trilogy went out or the hero and villain from the sequel trilogy went out, uh, to see who's going to wind up going up against each other. It'd be interesting to, if it was Rey versus Vader or Luke versus Kylo Ren, but I'm betting that it's going to wind up being Kylo Ren versus Rey, which is again what my wife and I both had our brackets set up for a sort of a recreation. Of the end of The Force Awakens, appropriately enough in the same week when it hits home video.
0: <laughs> yeah. I you know what? I don't I really don't think Kylo Ren's gonna be Vader. I Luke versus Ray, I'm a little more iffy on, but I think Vader's probably still gonna beat um Kylo. And then I think whoever I, I think just my opinion, I think Lightside's gonna take it this year. I don't know if it's gonna be Ray or Luke. I'm leaning a little more toward Luke. But I don't think I don't think Darkseid's gonna win it all this year. I, I, I think Kylo's probably gonna beat or excuse me, I think Vader is probably gonna beat Kylo. Uh, but who, who, whoever does win that one I think is gonna lose out to uh, the lightside user.
1: Well, you know what's gonna happen though, if if we get an upset victory and it turns out that Kylo Ren makes it to that last round mm-hmm. and winds up defeating Luke. You realize that means that Luke will not participate in any tournaments for a couple of decades because he's going to go into hiding.
0: Again. <laughs> he's not. He's not hiding. He's looking for something. Right, looking,
1: found someone he had. Wait, he said it. Looking, found something he has, and stayed there. He did.
0: <laughs> he's like, ah, no. two,
1: um He found it on the
0: planet that sounds like a sneeze. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm, guys, I'm still looking. I'm, I didn't. I didn't hide. Okay, I'm not. I'm not afraid. I just, I'm just looking for something. God, give me a minute. It's like, Luke, it's been like 20 years. He's like, well, a Jedi doesn't concern himself with time. Like, like maybe maybe on that
1: planet, it's like an Alaska kind of thing. It's (laughs) it's hard to tell day and night and stuff. No, No.
0: sorry. So are you surprised that Ray's beating Yoda or did, did you kind of expect that one?
1: I expected it just because of the sheer mm-hmm. momentum of the character for this year. I'm curious to see if that matchup, say that matchup were to come back again next year or five years from now, would that still be the case? Like, Is, is this a case of a lot of interest in the Force Awakens characters because it's the new flashy movie that everyone's excited about? Mm-hmm. Or is it because of the strength of the character? And that usually is something that doesn't even out until uh, either a trilogy is over Or at least it's nearing its completion. Like, I think we saw the same thing in some of the, you know, just forum discussions about, you know, who's gonna win, who's the best Jedi kind of stuff with classic trilogy versus prequel trilogy. There was a lot of weight given to the prequel trilogy characters until you get to about 2004 through 2006. And all of a sudden, people start leaning the opposite direction back towards the original trilogy. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, this flashy new thing isn't so flashy and new anymore. We've lived with it for a few years. Now I'm going back to the tried and true. Uh, so I, I was not surprised this year. I would be surprised if the dominance of Rey and Kylo Ren were to stick around. Um,
0: right. Well, because, and I think a good reason to, something to look at to base that on is that Poe and Finn and BB-8 went out in the first round. True. And, true. And, and I would say, though, also, it would help.
1: Again, if they were to clarify what is supposed to be being measured, is it just favorite? Is it who you think you would win in a fight? Is it perhaps who you think would win in an NCAA-style basketball game? We don't know. <laughs> the more specific they get, the more likely it is we'd be able to try to predict the winners. Like even if they just said it's just about favorites, I think as we're seeing here, the, like the rules of thumb tend to be that certain characters will tend to percolate to the top, but for the most part, it's live action over animated. Um, original trilogy and sequel trilogy over prequels and so on, as far as the way that people are are voting, and that I think you could carry year to year and probably see a pattern. But I don't know. I mean, I think this year is an unusual year just because we're we're sandwiched with this tournament is sandwiched between the theatrical release and home video release of a film that's going to have a lot of extra play into it. Plus, it's airing or it's being held while the season finale of Rebels is being aired and such. So there's a lot of things influencing, I think, the way that people who are visiting the site are thinking as they make their visit.
0: Okay. Yeah, and um, I I haven't seen that uh, season finale as of this recording just yet, but I'll I'll wait till the wife gets home and take a look at it. But, you know, I would have thought that, uh, at least from previous episodes, that maybe that would have helped Yoda fare better, but... uh, I guess not.
1: Well, Yoda isn't in the season finale. Yoda (laughs) did show up a couple episodes previous to the finale and showed that, wow, they have no idea how to make a CG.
0: (laughs) But it's from the same people who made him in the Clone Wars. I know!
1: That's why it's so screwed up!
0: (laughs) Was Um, it that that Barron said
1: in our recent uh, Rebels Roundtable penultimate episode, Yoda needs braces? I mean, really?
0: Yeah, I think... um, was that you that, that mentioned that um, you thought the Phantom Menace version looked better than this? Yes! Yeah. yeah I'm like, I kind of
1: like, because the Phantom Menace version of Yoda I was just like, wow. Yoda really changes, but he's got about three decades in which to change, right? Whereas in this case, I looked at Yoda and he just went,
0: damn! They're <laughs> like, too, too soon, too much, like, too there's fast. There's no
1: rationale for me on why Yoda looks that way. I'm just like, whoa! Uh,
0: and he's, he's
1: walking around with a Gimmer stick, he's walking around with a cane because he has all kinds of injuries from falling from a tree and hitting every ugly stick on the way down.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's... You know that that's one thing is I, I, I do love that show and uh, you know I, I think I'm one of the the which I, I think people are pretty positive on it but I, I stay pretty positive I, I like a lot of what they do but I can't justify that Yoda <laughs> it just well, does not it, look good and if
1: you thought Yoda was bad I'll give you one thing that I I'm gonna call it a minor spoiler an extremely minor spoiler because I think it was even in the preview stuff for the finale. If you thought that some of the things like the Puffer Pig were ridiculous, try the ability to spin a double-bladed lightsaber like the Inquisitors have and use it as an effing helicopter Looney Tunes style.
0: (laughs) They're doing it throughout
1: the entire finale. You think I'm joking? (laughs) No, they're using their lightsabers as friggin' helicopter blades. bud. I'm waiting for there to be some kind of explanation is like well it's because they have like uh in their boots they have repulsors or something or or you know cad bane style technology maybe there's a repulsor inside the handle so it's not so much that it is a helicopter blade it just kind of looks like it or whatever uh or we're going to get a special 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 edition at some point of revenge of the sith where grievous just starts spinning his blades and goes zipping off into the stratosphere
0: sweet but i digress i
1: suppose <laughs> i'll get a chance to vent on how stupid The helicopter thing was on the final episode of Rebels Roundtable when we record it this -hmm. weekend.
0: So I, um, you know, since we're already off on that track a little bit, I didn't, I never got the, well, not that I never got, but I thought that spinning blade thing was supposed to sort of compensate for them. Um, Maybe that's just the way I took it of like, oh, they're not, these aren't your full Jedi, right? That they were just sort of force sensitives or whatever, and that's why they're inquisitors. And so that's to sort of compensate for them not being as great at lightsaber combat. But then you find out, well, the Grand Inquisitor, uh, which was just the the one. No, he was he was a temple guard. Like he was all about being a Jedi knight and stuff. And but apparently for some reason he needed the helicopter bladesaber.
1: I think it just it was it was a gimmick. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean if, from the in-universe standpoint, yes, uh, it's so they have this uniform weapon that they can use with uniform training or something. But in reality, what was it? Was a freaking gimmick? It was like giving Maul mm-hmm. a double-bladed saber in the first place. It was like giving Kylo Ren the the halberd-looking saber thing. It was a gimmick to look cool, and now they've taken it to the Bugs Bunny nth degree.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that's really all I have. Um... On that, I did have another question, uh, but I flat out forgot it, so. Uh, well, I guess what we can do is just move on over to the Hollowvid and discuss sort of what's going on in gaming right now. So yeah, from a video game standpoint, there's not a whole
1: lot since the last time we recorded. I have finally broken free, I think, of the curse of Star Wars Uprising because I found a YouTuber who is actually documenting every story mission on a daily basis, so maybe I can break my addiction of actually playing the game and grinding and just watch that so I can get what I need for the uh, for the timeline. But apparently, the Act 2 missions do go up all the way up through level 100, which is unusual because, except for the first batch of missions, uh, where it went up, I believe, to level 40, what they've usually done is they've raised the level cap and... They've only taken the next batch of missions for that update about halfway to that cap, and then the first missions of the next update are for people who are at the level right beneath that that previous cap. So there's sort of some overlap here, but there doesn't seem to be overlap at this point. And we haven't really heard anything big yet about the third act coming in the near future. This does pretty much wrap the story up. Um, but there's quite a bit still to go. I would just I would highly recommend if you are trying to play those higher levels, don't do what I did. Focus on upgrading your tier 2 gear, tier 2 only, your tier 2 gear long before reaching level 100, because I've spent a lot of time just grinding and trying to get my player rating up, because all of a sudden, level of your character isn't what's making the biggest difference in being able to go to the next match. There are some giant jumps in player rating when you get to those last few missions, where if you haven't upgraded your gear or found the right crystals, you're just screwed, which again, is part of why I'm probably just going to start watching it instead of playing it. Um, But otherwise, Uprising seems to be kind of in a holding pattern as we wait to see what comes next with the next act. The big news, of course, though, and what's coming out on Tuesday, the day that this episode is being released for non-season pass holders, is with Battlefront... The release of Outer Rim, which released previously for season pass holders. And I know I talked a lot about that last time. Michael, you finally got a chance to play around with Outer Rim 2 now, right?
0: So I have, I still have not actually paid the 50 bucks for it, but I did hop on here recently, got to play with the new updates, and even got to uh, see Greedo and Nine Numb running around in the uh, Heroes versus Villains.
1: Wait a second. So now this is something I haven't done Mm -hmm. ever since I got the season pass download for it. When I've been playing, I've tended to just jump into the outer rim modes. I haven't gone back into the regular modes, the regular playlists yet. So are you saying that in heroes versus villains for the regular playlist for the non season pass holders, they've updated that also to have all four of the heroes and villains on each side? It's not just an outer rim version of that.
0: So what it's looking like is that, which I, I need to pay attention to to see if that's actually the case. Um, but I know it's at least some of the time it'll be three uh, three on three. I, I think sometimes th- there may be four on four. But what they'll do is they'll be like, okay, no Palpatine this time. No Leia this time. Or, mm. you know, they'll just kind of pick a hero and a villain and and pull them out but they've kept it balanced. So for instance, they're not going to be like no Darth Vader, but Luke is still in there. You know, they'll, right. it seems like they kind whoever fills that role will get canceled out. And, and it doesn't seem like they've pulled Vader or Luke out either time. Um, so it's, it, it seems like it's normally Palpatine and Leia. I think they consider those two to be similar. And then, uh, Nine Numb and Greedo, those two will be the ones that I've seen kind of rotating out. Um, and so yeah, it's it's good. I'm still kind of trying to get the hang of the hero controls. Just to be a hundred percent honest, I'm not very good at that. Uh, I do much better, honestly, when I get uh, get to be the one of the shock troopers, mm-hmm.
1: or like the princess guard, where you get that special trooper.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I do way better as those guys than I do an actual hero. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it depends for me on who the hero is. I'm not very good with Leia, but I'm not sure how many really are good with Leia because she tends to usually be thought of as the, the lowest power of the heroes. But uh, I've gotten decent with Luke, uh, uh-huh. decent with Boba Fett. Uh, again, that's, he's usually thought of as, as the more overpowered of them. But yeah, the Emperor and Leia are the ones that tend to, to trip me up. But it seems like they're more designed as support characters, hence them being able to drop you know the health items for other heroes or themselves as you play. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the community numbers wind up changing and how easy it is or isn't to jump into a match once Outer Rim is fully released outside of the season pass because you can't just choose, well, I want to play a, an X number of players match on any map, Outer Rim or otherwise... It's you're playing the Outer Rim maps in their modes with their number of players, which I believe is 16 per match, or you're playing one of the earlier modes with the earlier maps in 40 player, 12 player, whatever. There isn't a a mix between them, and I can't imagine that there probably will be any time in the near future unless they do like they did with Jakku and they wait until right before the release of something new and then sort of weave that back in. But you're still going to have that digital divide, so to speak, to appropriate an a education phrase uh, between those people who have the season pass and who don't anytime you're trying to do matchmaking for for a match. So I don't know. It's it's It'll be interesting to see whether we see a clear division. Like, are there going to be people I mean, obviously if they're going to be playing and they don't have the season pass, they don't have the DLC, they're going to be playing the regular modes, but is that area going to be kind of like a ghost town? Is it going to still be able to thrive and continue while the DLCs are being released? Uh, how is one DLC going to fare after the release of the next one in terms of the maps and the modes? If they're going to be segregated, are we going to be looking at some places
0: that are becoming very quickly depopulated? Uh, possibly, but um, you know, I think that's going to be where we see how what this game is you know as far as it's um how much longevity it's going to have because i think a lot of people have said now the dlc is not worth it so i'm thinking maybe it's going to be split 50-50 uh but i don't really know i i don't know how that's going to go it's it's a little worrisome honestly because mm-hmm. i think that as more dlc comes out the better the game's going to be itself, but uh, but there may be more of a separation between the players and we'll see more drop-off at that point. I see, I would,
1: I would almost argue the opposite. I would uh-huh. think that it's not like you're thinking that you know people may still keep playing because there may be enough people who say the DLC isn't worth it. I'm kind of of the opposite thing that I can't see why anyone really who isn't Planning to buy the DLC would still be playing at this point. Like, if they were going to drop off because the game has no end game, it's very tedious, its progression system is basically limp or broken, um, that if somebody was going to walk away because they weren't planning on paying for the DLC, it seems to me that they would have already done it by now, unless there's a significant portion who are like, okay, I'm going to try the first DLC and then we'll see. Or if they were like me, and they right. pre-ordered the game, and pre-ordered the season pass, and now they're like, well, hell, I paid for it already, I might as well just keep
0: playing it. Right, right. I mean, that's a possibility, and then it, it could also be, because I mean, this game is meant to be more of, you know, it's your Mario Party, right? Like, it's it's a community game, so what I'm concerned about is that the people are like, well, I'm gonna still play, you know, since I'm playing with my friends, but uh, one of my friends has gotten the outer rim stuff he's wanting to do that well now I can't really play with him um, as he's doing that stuff mm-hmm. and then I guess I'll just kind of sit this one out or whatever maybe i'll I'll pick it up later or whatever and then th- that person just drops off and then never really returns. Uh, yeah I saw that a no. lot
1: with the uh, the DLCs for destiny as well because they had a lot more content than it seems like we got with the the battlefield or battlefield battlefront. Uh, DLCs, but there was a huge, in this case, for instance, it's blocking you out of certain maps and certain modes, and a very small amount of equipment, testament to the fact there's just not as much stuff in this DLC as you might expect in some other games. But at the same time, the more that you add into that DLC, the more that the non-season pass, or the non-DLC players get locked out of, that makes them more likely to walk away. So it's like they're walking that fine, they don't want to alienate people but at the same time they want to keep building in you know that that revenue they want to keep turning this one game that you buy originally for 60 bucks into something they can milk another you know 50 or so out of
0: right right it's i'm not sure i think that you know i think they really need to start adding more cuz i was thinking about you know, back with Battlefront 2, we had so many, just with the, the basic game itself, there were so many different heroes and villains that you just got. And with those, granted, they were essentially the same. There was maybe like only, um, it was mostly just uh, aesthetic changes between them. So you're like, oh, Luke is really the same as Mace Windu, but they just, have a different skin, you know what I mean? Um that this one each one plays kind of separately. But even still, I'm I'm like, uh I don't know. I don't know if really only giving you a total of six heroes to start with. Um I don't know. It, it, like I said, it, it's it's a little tricky on, on trying to determine like is this really worth it and especially once you start adding on the the cost of all the dlc um you know certain things that i want to see is you know more spaceships and stuff i think that as we get going through the game that they shouldn't just say oh we threw in some more levels we threw in some more characters and we threw in some more game modes." they should also say you're not just flying around in an A-wing or a Tie interceptor or X-wing or um, X-wing. You know they're like, okay, we threw in Y-wings. Granted, I know Y-wings are supposed to be slow or whatever, but then mm-hmm. again, they're not exactly keeping things the way they should because uh, Tie fighters don't fire ion torpedoes. So that you know. too. Uh, I gotta
1: say, I to me. I'm very concerned about where Fighter Squadron goes from here. Uh I'm hoping that that's going to be a focus in a later DLC, like the Death Star DLC, perhaps. Give us some focus on some new ships. Give us some new places to play for that. Um, Because there was nothing at all for Fighter Squadron or for any of the big map modes in this DLC. But I'm concerned because if you look at the way they've changed the layout, I mentioned this on the last episode. Fighter Squadron is a 20-player game. So it's not on any of the playlists on the main multiplayer page anymore. You have to go to the separate little side page, click on that that's going to give you the old menu of mo- of modes, and then choose Fighter Squadron, just like choosing Blast. Blast is almost interchangeable with any other mode because it's run around and kill in first or third person, but Fighter Squadron is somewhat unique compared to the other modes of the game, and it's been basically shoved off to the side. I don't know that they're going to do anything with Fighter Squadron, and that worries me because I had a lot of fun with it. it sucks to stream because of the lag and the way it, it jitters and such.
0: Yeah. But
1: when you're just playing it, Fighter Squadron was where I probably spent the majority of my time playing the game until
0: about a month ago. My my biggest problem with Fighter Squadron was getting used to what the controls were and and how to actually just do the basics of the game. I don't know if other people had that trouble or not, but... For me, it was very, very frustrating. Once I finally figured everything out on my own, though, I got really good. And, like, very, very quickly. So, I like that one just from a standpoint of, like, I feel like a boss flying around in whichever ship. And just lighting people up. And I would like for them to kind of continue and give you more. Not just your basic fighter ships, but let's see some more hero ships too. I don't know what they could go with, but it would be cool for them to add something in there.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an an area of great potential for growth if they were to capitalize on it at this point. Um, But it's so different than the other ones, I'm not sure that they will. I, I would imagine we'll probably see the addition of new ships has power-ups that you can pick up in the other modes before we'll see any kind of extensive retooling or revamping of Fighter Squadron unfortunately because it's a I mean it's a great mode it's the closest thing we have to starship combat in the game we don't have anything in space but at least we've got some dogfighting within atmosphere
0: right and i have i mean i know a lot of people are like it's got to be in space i don't really care it doesn't it doesn't bother me that's all sort of background stuff the thing is with space is that you, because you have to sort of set up parameters and stuff, and, and the atmosphere can make it more difficult, because there's more stuff that you can hit and everything. If you go back to the first Rogue Squadron game, you didn't ever win space in that game. Everything, you're constantly flying X-Wings, like on Tatooine, like flying around low, you know? And, um, like, that. that's fine. That doesn't bother me as much, but I really want to see more than, than what we're getting as far as, the actual fighters. that That's the biggest thing. You know, I, I was just trying to think of like, okay, what can they do? They don't want to go into The Force Awakens, so they don't want to throw any ships in from that, or they don't want to go back to the prequels, so that's fine. But here's an interesting, what about seeing the ghost? Why not throw in, you know, the ghost from Rebels? I think that would be a cool ship to throw in besides the Falcon. Um, perhaps we could see, you know, something else that might be interesting. Throw in Darth Vader's TIE fighter you know, it's a little bit smaller. So, and, you know, maybe quick, you know, have some different uh, mechanics to the way it plays in comparison to some of the other hero ships. I I don't know. I I think there's some, some ships that they could go with. I really want to see them do that stuff as far as whether or not it's on a different planet that you're flying around or if you're out in space that, that doesn't really bother me as much because like I said, I think it's, the main focus should be on the actual mechanics of Mm -hmm. flying around and is this actually fun is this smooth does everything play the way it should
1: right which is of course by comparison you've got a lot of space flying in disney infinity 3.0 and that space flying is freaking awful (laughs) especially when they're not giving you clear objectives that's Uh, There are two spots in my live streaming. I think it's two in my live streaming of the the Disney Infinity 3.0 Star Wars play sets where I just go basically on a swearing rant because the game (laughs) just gives you no direction whatsoever and has ridiculous controls that don't work well with the mechanics. And flying in space, particularly when you're at the Battle of Endor, my God, those are some horrible controls. So on the plus side… As much as people complained about the flying controls initially in Battlefront, they are leaps and bounds beyond those in the other next-gen Star Wars game right now, Disney Infinity 3.0. It's not necessarily about where you're flying, it's about whether
0: it feels like it works, which plays into the mechanics, as Michael was saying. Right. Right, so that's cool. Which, I mean, I still like the Disney Infinity game. I have to be honest I haven't... That's been more of a collecting uh, focus for me rather than an actual oh, gaming focus, but... What's you know, a- I realize we've actually got some news. Okay.
1: We haven't had... I was thinking, whoa, there's not really a lot of news this week. Uh, <laughs> they have announced that mere months after having released a late release, because it wasn't with the rest of them, of Disney Infinity 3.0 for the Apple TV system, which is not really a gaming console. They released it with the little pad and the figures and the full-blown game, and you had the special controller that you got with it to play on Apple TV. Yeah, apparently that has been a spectacular flop, so they do not plan (laughs) any further updates to the game for 3.0 on Apple TV, which is a big thing. Because what they've said is that they're not doing a new year iteration of Disney Infinity as like 4.0 later this year. They're going to stick to adding content through things like Marvel Battlegrounds, different play sets and game updates to the current game 3.0. Which basically means that if they're not going to even update the game, that means that you're stopped either at the Star Wars content or maybe at Marvel Battlegrounds. I'm not even sure if Marvel Battlegrounds got the update added to the Apple TV version so that someone could play with the brand new stuff they released in the last month or so. But apparently, yeah, Apple TV... Who would have thought? People didn't want to play console games on their
0: Apple TV! Duh. Or as the French say, LED. Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, I... I can kind of see it. I'm, I'm a little surprised because, you know, Apple TV costs like 100 bucks in comparison to a $400 gaming system. But but you don't
1: buy it... I mean, you get a gaming console, and you get it for the games, and you use it for the streaming services. You don't buy an Apple TV thinking, I'm getting a gaming console. To me, that's just as ridiculous as... um, Is it the Roku 3 that comes with motion gaming remote? I'm like, I'm not buying a freaking Roku so I can act like I'm playing a Wii. If I want a Wii or a Wii U, I'm buying a Wii or a Wii U. Right. Why, Why does Roku need motion gaming so i don't know i found it I weird it, when they first announced it and i mm-hmm. still find it bizarre but i don't find the complete colossal failure of that venture
0: bizarre at all so here, here's my mindset from it for, for us it doesn't you know it doesn't really work but so i'm thinking like let's pretend for a moment like we're parents with young kids and we're more concerned about like all right i really just want to get to netflix or whatever and then you see well okay the Roku version has like this little gaming thing, so little Johnny can instead of out burning things, I can say, okay, here here's some games to play, but without that the extra cost of having to go out and buy him a dedicated system or something like that. With the Apple version, you can say, well, I already have an Apple TV, or or I was thinking about getting something for my streaming content. Here's something that I can just get for the kids without having to buy the dedicated system. I think it, from that aspect, it makes sense. That's totally something that my parents would have done when I was a kid. But I
1: don't know. It feels like, and I I was sort of of the mindset that if you've got someone who's got the younger kids and you're trying to give them something to use for gaming, you're going to hand them your tablet or you are going to... You know, actually have a game system, even if you buy like a used game system, a low end game system, buy them a leapfrog, whatever. It seems strange to me that you would spend, I mean, what, and a an hundred bucks or whatever on an Apple TV for the Apple TV purposes. And understand, as someone who uses an Apple TV frequently, that thing's got enough issues of its own when you're trying to use it just to do what it was designed for. Uh-huh. Um But then to pay another $100 to get, because that's what it costs at this point, another $100 for the Apple TV Edition Starter Pack seems, I don't know, to me that seems counterintuitive. If your whole thing was to avoid spending a lot of money on gaming for the kids, I don't think they're going to be getting the Disney Infinity 3.0 pack to be able to do that. I'm thinking they're either going to spend a little bit more and get a Wii or a Wii U, like an older Wii or a Wii U, or they're just not going to be buying anything like that at all it seems like a weird thing it's almost like the to a, to a degree from a gaming sense it's almost like the niche that unfortunately the playstation vita fell into because the playstation vita was designed to be almost a console level experience in your hands and it's got some fantastic games on it killzone mercenary uh the uncharted game that's on it. it's, it's a really good solid system but because of its price because of what is designed to do it was it's it wasn't quite the lower end things like from a price standpoint like a 3DS so people weren't buying it for the kids cuz of the lower cost and at the same time it wasn't quite up to par exactly with the PlayStation 4 Xbox One stuff once they started rolling out so the Vita just kind of died on the vine I kind of feel like if they're trying to do that with the gaming side of things for the Apple TV, that's what they're getting themselves into. They're caught between different extremes, and they're creating something in the middle that nobody really cares much about, and there's not as much of a market for it as it may have sounded on the drawing board. Like somebody was sitting there going, dude, you know what? we put this out on all these systems. We <laughs> should put it out on Apple TV. Won't that be awesome? As if they didn't learn their lesson. Do you Were you around – Paying attention to the Disney Infinity stuff before Star Wars to pay attention back during 1.0?
0: No, I never paid attention to it whatsoever.
1: They put out 1.0 for PS3, Xbox 360, and so on, and they put out a version for the Wii. The Wii version was so awful Uh that very soon they released a Wii U version and made it so that you could download the software for the Wii U version for free. So if you bought the Wii version, you would have a decent version to actually play now, if you now have a Wii U, you didn't have to rebuy that software at all. It's the only console where you didn't have to rebuy the software because the game's original version sucks so bad.
0: Wow.
1: And now here they are trying to shoehorn this console experience that they didn't even think that some current consoles necessarily would be able to fully handle. Um, but then they eventually did put them out. They they did decide to put them out, but they kept, they kept 3.0 off the Vita 3.0. Didn't go on to the 3ds. Um, But they're like, yeah, we're going to put it on the higher-end consoles and the last-gen consoles. We're not going to put it on these other things that are meant for gaming that are a little less powerful. But, hey, let's put it on an Apple TV. (laughs) I don't know. To me, that just seems – it just seems strange. It'd be like if I could play Disney Infinity when I'm on the road by plugging it into my navigation system. Garmin, play Disney Infinity.
0: Yeah, that's um – That does sound terrible. Is it even called Garmin anymore? I don't even use those things. I still use Apple Maps. Yeah, I think everyone just uses their phone. And you use Apple Maps? Don't do that. I haven't
1: gotten lost much. I haven't been directed (laughs) to drive across the ocean or anything yet because I'm not on the coast. I'm good.
0: (laughs) I just, like, I have an iPhone, and that's pretty much what I've had since I've had a smartphone. But even I use Google Maps. Yeah, I'm, I'm good for the Apple Maps
1: until I'm trying to drive out of a Braves game and they've got one road closed and Apple Maps just has a complete seizure, completely unable <laughs> to figure out how to get me out of there. It's like, no, I don't want to turn that way because the cops will shoot me.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what they do. So
1: I the maps or the cops? Both. <laughs> oh, OK. Moving on to a less touchy <laughs> subject then.
0: So uh, I guess that can take us over into the dejeric table. Let's see, as of this release date, the Star Wars Rebellion game is out, and that means I played it this weekend, and I had lots of fun, I guess. I don't know, because we recorded in advance. Yeah,
1: that's true. I'll have it in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow? I mean last Friday. Right. Yeah, expect a lot of information on Rebellion in our next episode once we both had a chance to crack that sucker open. But it's not the only new release from Fantasy Flight Games. It's just the one getting all the attention.
0: Yeah, because it looks sweet.
1: It looks, it looks incredible. It, it strikes me as like a, it's, it's like risk strategio-ish, stratego, strategio, yeah, like I know what the heck I'm talking about. Strategio <laughs> uh, meets, you know, the old Rebellion computer game to an extent. But even though this week did not see any big new releases for X-Wing or... Imperial Assault or Armada to go along with it, or even the LCG, really. Uh, It's been kind of a a small week here. Since the last time uh, we recorded, I've had another of those Star Wars RPG books from Edge of the Empire drop into my mailbox. Uh, Special Modifications, which is the source book for technicians for Edge of the Empire, has arrived. What I've actually found kind of interesting is it feels like the Star Wars RPG is sort of tapering off a little bit. Um, I'm wondering if maybe this is like waiting for some conventions to do some announcements because what I'll do is when they first announce a new Star Wars product coming for Fantasy Flight, like they, they, the whole uh, Bespin Gambit for Imperial Assault with, you know, Bosk and Blaze and Lando and the ISB guy, all those different miniatures to go with it. As soon as it's announced, within about a week, it'll be up for pre-order on MiniatureMarket.com, which is where I tend to buy all my stuff because they're relatively fast and pretty efficient. Um, I'll hop on there, I'll put in the pre-order, and I just track all the pre-orders I've put in and pre-paid for through PayPal, uh, so it can come out of the budget when I know the money's there. And I just track it on this notepad file, and as things come in, I'll delete it. And I'm looking at it here, and right now they've only got two announced items for Armada coming up. They've got the Imperial Assault Carriers and Rebel Transports we talked about last time. Imperial Assault's got that next wave, uh, X-Wing's got Imperial Veterans, but we know something else must be coming. The LCG has five different either Force Packs or Expansions that are still coming. But when I look at the RPG, there is nothing right now listed for pre-order at all uh, that seems to also mean that has been announced at all, uh, if if this is an indication. Uh, For Edge of the Empire, after special modifications, there is nothing listed as new up for pre-order for Age of Rebellion. Um, There is nothing listed except for Savage Spirits up for pre-order for Force and Destiny. It seems as though the RPG line is hitting the brakes, usually... Anytime I look at my pre-order list, there's at least two or three things under each category. But now those categories for the RPG are basically barren, and I don't know why. I mean, am I missing something? I mean, you've you've been around the miniature stuff a little bit longer, and I played the RPGs stuff, I believe, a little bit more. Um, is it usual for there to be just a, a complete dead spot in the schedule for the, RP- the, the RPG materials from Fantasy Flight?
0: Um, to my knowledge, no. I mean, it's, they've, because there's been a ton of books come out, especially because there's been three different versions of it, you know? Like you mentioned, out of the RPG, it's sort of three different games that are all modular. Right, There's, the, and, there's yeah. and at
1: this point, there's one, one source book out mm-hmm. there that's been announced and that's on pre-order at places, and that just strikes me as... I don't know whether to be fearful for the product line or if they're just in a slump or maybe they got stuff out a lot faster than they thought with things like Nexus of Power and special modifications and, and Mask of the Pirate Queen and all that stuff recently. But I sit back and I got to scratch my head. I have no idea what's going on with them with the RPG right now or RPGs right now. So do
0: you you want to know what my <laughs> theory is on the, the matter? Please, because I'm clueless. I Honestly, I, so I can't say this for sure, but I can tell you that I have heard from reliable sources that a lot of times, a lot of the delays and things that we've experienced in, in certain times with, with uh, Fantasy Flight has been Fantasy Flight saying, we're ready to go, like, let's do this thing. And Disney being like, well, hold on, Let, let's review this. Let's go over. You know, Disney seems to be—I I don't know what the, the correct word is—but they they'll really put the brakes on something and like
1: micromanaging
0: the schedule, kind of. Right, right. That's perfect. Uh, yeah, perfect. Perfect example of of what it is. Uh, the hmm. thing is, what concerns me with their whole uh, the way that they're trying to handle the uh the way they're trying to handle story group and everything like that even though all of this stuff is not canon because it's still checked for our authenticity supposedly um i'm wondering if some of that stuff is if they're not um what's the word for it exactly they're not uh not strapping down what's the word uh clamping down yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm wondering if if they're not just really, really going over this stuff with a fine-tooth comb now and saying, well, no, nope, we Plus, really need to... It'd
1: be a heck of a time to do it, though, because the entire beginning of the product line for all three of these games, or I guess, I know at least Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, I think Force and Destiny also. I mean, these were things that were in motion and released way before there was a the change from Legends to Canon, so... They've got right. all kinds of stuff in them that are legends-based and whatnot, and now it seems like it's a mixture. And some books are seeming to suggest that, well, it's kind of more legend stuff, or it's, you know, it's kind of more canon stuff, depending on where you look in which book, in which book's little description of a special section. Um, I don't know. It's if they, if they are starting to go through with more of a fine-tooth comb, I would be happy to see them maybe come out and finally say, okay, after this point, any books published after this date, consider them canon. Right. But I don't, I don't know, I don't see that happening because of right. how much confusion that would cause with the previous. I mean, the whole reason, um, or the whole reason, part of the reason why we got something like Star Wars Volume 2 by Brian Wood from Dark Horse and uh, <laughs> books like Razor's Edge, you know, those two things were unmitigated crap with a lot of fanfare.
0: <laughs> well, you said uh, Brian Wood. Cr-
1: like, like crap wearing a, a, a party hat. Um Was this whole, well, we need to make sure it's all accessible to others. And then we had the big canon legend shift, which was partly to avoid clashes of continuity as they produce new things. With those mindsets in precedent, it would seem odd for them, unless they're just going for like a reboot or something or restarting the RPG as one line that's canon or something. It would seem weird to leave this thing kind of out there in print and say, yeah, well, as of now, it counts. As of before, it didn't. Oh, put a label on them? (laughs) No, because it's just going to confuse people. It's like when they tried to do the years ago. uh, Folks who were fans of the EU may remember that they tried the infinities label. The idea was that there had already been stories that were parodies or otherwise apocryphal stuff that eventually was referred to as in as in non canon when they revealed to us that hierarchy of canon levels. Um, But for a while there, they thought they could just slap the infinities label on stuff and make that basically the – this is non-continuity or in the case of Tails, some stuff is in continuity, some stuff is not. It's sort of case-by-case basis, but since it has some stuff that might not be, here's an infinities label. The problem was that obviously they weren't going to go back and reprint all previous materials with an infinities label on it if it was meant to be infinities. So it just wound up confusing people. Just like now – there are a lot of books from the Legends era that are getting reprinted with the Legends label on it, but not all of them. So if somebody finds an obscure book like Galaxy of Fear, there's no Legends label on that. They're going to have to know a time division to know, oh, this must be Legends because of when it was printed, because it doesn't have Legends as a label on it. Um, every time they do this, they run the risk of having confusion issues with people who aren't as heavily versed in you know, the, the development of the material. And I would think the same thing would theoretically happen with the fantasy flight stuff. It's already kind of tricky with people saying, well, wait a second. It was legends to begin with, but now what is this stuff? Why are they working in stuff like the ghost in Lothal? But they've still got all this stuff from legends like how things worked out on Sullaston Legends, not like in Canon in Battlefront Twilight Company? What's going on? It's confusing enough. Why muddy the waters even more?
0: I, I just wanted to ask, was there hashtag give us infinities? Was was that ever a movement?
1: Uh, no. No, there was never a hashtag, give us infinities. If, if anything, it probably would have been, oh my god, get rid of the infinities <laughs> symbol. Actually, it's, it's funny, because I got to be sort of part of the rehabilitation of it, because whenever, when I wrote for Star Wars Tales, it was Star Wars Tales 21. It was when Jeremy Barlow picked up the series, and when he picked it up, the idea was he was picking it up after Dave Land, and the series was actually meant to end, and he said, well, we're going to take a different approach. We're going to label individual stories based on whether they're in or out, based on what era they're in, if they are in continuity. Give some specifics and make for some more serious stories instead of some of the goofy crap they'd been doing previously, like George R. Binks or whatever. <laughs> um, and it wound up sort of this idea that, yes, you can use infinities, but you have to be specific with it. But by that time… It was 2004, and we were kind of in the waning days of anybody actually caring about the Affinities label and trusting it to mean much of anything unless it was actually something like A New Hope Infinities or Empire Infinities that were true what-if stories. Um, it was just something that was never used well because it was very difficult to use accurately, retroactively, given the breadth and scope of material that they had already released over the span of, of many, many years. Mm-hmm. just didn't work.
0: So you're saying that you're the one who's responsible for White Darth Vader. No, I had nothing to do with White Darth Vader. <laughs> okay. All right. Just 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 clear. So I think the thing with the with what's going on um and, and just to be a little more clear, it's not so much that I think they're like, "All right, guys, get ready for Canon" as much as the the Disney buyout happened way before you actually started to notice Disney's um, behind-the-scenes movement and stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if maybe it's just that they're just now catching up to this. There was so much mm-hmm. that was already planned, so much going on, and before they could actually sort of get in there and say, all right, this is what we're wanting to do. This is how we're, we're going to go with it from here on out. And you know i'm not saying that they're they're trying to canonize anything or whatever as much as they're trying to um sort of trying to determine themselves where they want the direction to go with fantasy flight and if if they may not be saying okay here is what um here's what's out here's what we want you to implement in because the thing is even though it is sort of not canon they may say um here's some stuff that we're going to be doing here soon and we want you to market it you know we don't really care that it's not a part of the same thing you know that that your thing doesn't really fit in the current universe per se because, But it sort of does because it's Star Wars and so therefore this Star Wars ship can fit in your Star Wars game so we want that ship to be there or we want this type of character to be there or, or something around uh, along those lines. Not a hun- Not saying that's a 100% it but I think those could be sort of um, some varying reasons. Just f- for example, like we've noticed, we've been seeing a lot of Rebels stuff in the games lately. You know, the uh, the tabletop, excuse me, the X-wing game has gotten some uh, rebel ships all the way going back to the Gazanti, and the card game is also getting stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if Armada is not about to to get the Ghost or something like that in it as well. Though I, I'm not. As... Isn't
1: isn't the isn't the transport character the
0: Gazanti? Isn't that one of the two new ones that new right. rebel transport? Yep, yep. You're absolutely right. It, yeah. So so that it's making its way into Armada. So it would not surprise me if they're not trying to to do things along those lines with maybe the the rpg right. or they may just Wait. be canceling it all together i don't know <laughs> i don't know
1: i i don't know. It just seems to me like i'm trying to figure i was trying to figure out as you were speaking which and which uh, metaphor Worked better. Is it that the genie is out of the bottle, now they're trying to shove it back in, or is it something about trying to make someone unpregnant? I haven't quite figured out exactly which metaphor I want to go with. But either way, it seems like this is sort of a. <laughs> it's been a while that these have been out. It seems strange that now they would be trying to wrest some control over it. But. I
0: don't know. You know,
1: we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, all this is is just they're waiting for maybe the next big, big gaming convention or celebration or something to announce this huge new you know, line of stuff. Um, but it seems that like they released a whole lot of stuff in just the past about two to three months. And now it's down to, you know, crickets. Crickets, right. as they would say. But at least we got special modifications finally. So uh, they did have one of the things that had been announced quite a while ago on pre-order a lot of places for quite a while has wound up uh, in our hands. So yep. Savage Spirits is left and we'll see if anything's announced uh, before
0: that shows up. And Imperial Veterans is on the boat awesome (laughs) though on
1: the boat means a lot of different things for fantasy that could mean days it could mean weeks
0: right right i mean it is coming from china but yes the that's the new imperial veterans expansion for x-wing is on its way sometime tiny starfighter miniatures
1: crafted by tiny child labor hands That's right. No, no, no. Just Chinese. Just Chinese. Does not mean it has to be child labor if it's coming from China.
0: China, China, China.
1: China. It's it's all about China. Cause see, we don't win anymore. We gotta win against China. We gotta produce more Star Wars miniatures of our own, and we need to build a wall to keep out the Chinese. And you know what we're gonna call it? The Great Wall of China. Yeah, they took the name, but screw it, I'll put Trump on oh, never mind.
0: <laughs> all right, man. So that's that's pretty much it for the hollow table. For for a character focus, we're going to go ahead and pick IG-88 for this week. Who are you? I'm Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Fall.
1: I'm Ahsoka. I am Seed. human side humans? I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you.
0: Uh, IG-88, of course, made his first appearance back in The Empire Strikes Back. I don't have too much uh as far as like little fun facts like with wedge from last week but um a lot of people already know and we've actually talked about it previously his head itself appeared in the cantina for new hope it was um actually came from like a a i think it was like a, a fighter engine or something like that from world war 2 um and I, I believe like it was from the same parts that they even pulled uh from for obi-wan's lightsaber um I always kind of in my head just sort of looked at that as that uh Wuher, I think his name is, the the bartender like he just really did not like droids. <laughs> so, he's clearly made some of his equipment out of droid heads. Um I don't think they've ever put that in canon or anything, but they freaking should cuz that's a good idea, at least I think. Um but besides that, he was not in the Clone Wars Cartoon series, but there was the IG eighty six, which were very similar to him. Um, let's see. Uh, besides that, of course, you know he was one of the ones looking for Han, and he was on the uh, Executor uh, in Empire Strikes Back. He also had, as far as I know, four different versions of himself. There was uh, IG eighty eight A, B, and C, and you can actually and D. You said four ND, and then you said ABC. That's right. I'm learning to count. Uh, ND. So, And you can actually play as those characters in the tabletop game, uh, start the X-Wing tabletop game. So you can pick to pilot the IG-2000, his ship, uh, any of those different ones, which most people play. There's one of them, I can't remember which one it is, but it never gets any play. But I think like B and D or B and C, those are the ones you play. I think A never gets any play.
1: That was, that was the coolest part, actually, about him mm-hmm. in Legends. So we didn't really know a lot about IG-88 besides him just sort of appearing in various stories as his bounty hunter self, but he really didn't do a whole lot. He didn't get a whole lot of you know mental dialogue or anything like that until Brian Wood's Star Wars Volume 2 where all of a sudden IG-88 is somehow having all kinds of heavy, internal, goofy monologue. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting... That when they finally came out with the somewhat delayed Tales of the Bounty Hunters, you had this story, uh, Therefore I Am, the tale of IG-88. And it's the one that really introduced this idea of, well, why, why do we have these different stories from like the Marvel era? Why do we have these different instances of the prop showing up where it seems like IG-88 was in these different places at different times And instead of doing something to try to weave things together and make it one consistent character going through these places, they came up with this idea of four different IG-88s. ABCD uh, from Halloween Laboratories and and taking over Mechas 3 and whatnot. And uh, you had one that winds up being destroyed by Fett on uh, Cloud City. Another is the one that confronts Fett in uh, Shadows of the Empire, you know, in in the IG-2000 up above Tatooine as Boba's trying to bring Han uh, third one, I forget. I think that one was, was that another Cloud City one. I, one of them always escapes me because there's four to keep track of. But the coolest one was that there was one that essentially embedded his mind, so to speak, into the Death Star 2 <laughs> and came active right near the end of the Battle of Endor. So you actually technically are seeing when you're watching Return of the Jedi and the Death Star blows up. It's actually the destruction of that version of IG-88 also. It was weird, but it was really cool and something that made IG-88 unique, but not something they've really invested the time into developing really at all yet in canon. So whether they're going to do the kind of split personality thing again, or if they're just going to keep it as one droid, one body, one mind, that's it, it kind of remains to be seen Um, they just haven't really given the character much focus. I'm assuming that once the Marvel series gets up to Empire and then continues on, maybe we'll probably see him a little bit more. But so far, very different approach these days than what they had back in the heyday of the the Bantam era uh, Legends continuity.
0: Right. He's actually... Now, he's, since the the move away from Legends, he's one of the ones who's received the least amount, uh, and by least, I mean practically nothing um he was not featured in clone wars i mean even dengar was in in the clone wars cartoon um in fact as far as right now the only thing outside of the empire strikes back that he was really in is the galactic defense uh mobile game and I haven't even played that, so I have no idea if it's just like, oh, that's IG-8 running around there. So that's kind of a shame because IG-88 is freaking cool, and I'd like to see more of him. Um, I remember, wasn't he, um, wasn't he kind of like the main antagonist? Uh, I mean, well, not, obviously not the main antagonist, but uh, he was kind of like uh, Dash Rindar's Boba Fett, I was thinking.
1: Kind of, yeah. They used one of the different versions of him. In fact, that may be the one that gets destroyed that I was having trouble remembering. Um, they used IG-88 as part of the video game storyline of Shadows right. of the Empire. And then, of course, the confrontation with Boba Fett was another tie into that that was mostly in the little pop-up book and the comics. So he got quite a bit of play then. It's just right. well, not so much now. But again, they haven't really been... I mean, there's really just, what, one story at this point, moving target that takes place between Empire and Jedi, unless you're talking about parts of um, Lost Stars. Most everything they're putting out now seems to be circling around either Force Awakens or circling around A New Hope. So maybe it's just that he hasn't had a chance to shine rather than that they're purposely ditching the character in favor of ones that are more human and easily relatable.
0: Uh, possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I would, I'd love to see him. I'm, uh, I'm talking about that. I'd love to see him in a, um, moving target type story where he's the, the main antagonist of, of one of those little short stories. I think that would be freaking cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I want to see more with him. Now you mentioned you'd liked him being downloaded into the Death Star 2. I actually really did not like that. And that seems to be either a love it or hate it type of thing.
1: Well, it was just, it was weird. And it, was, it wasn't it was something that had a heavy influence on yeah. the story and didn't get referenced very often. But it was, of all the ways to go, here's this this machine mind that's going all matrixy, Like, I'm going to rule the galaxy. I guess it's less Matrix than it is Skynet, I suppose. <laughs> and finally gets the ultimate weapon and boom! You're blown up by things that are completely out of your control.
0: Right. Right.
1: Welcome to human existence. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah, because and that's the thing too is now you actually, he was not even in the, Dengar and Boba Fett and um, Bosk were all in Jabba's palace in uh, Return of the Jedi. And now, Dengar and Boba Fett were not easily visible, but they were in the background, but Zuckus, IG-88, and Forlom were not there. So it just kind of makes me wonder, it's like, are they dead now? Like, is that, like what happened? You know? Like, I want that story. They're in retirement. They, they <laughs> we didn't get Han, but we found something else. Got a great payday, and we're done. Star Wars variant of the Three Amigos. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they're out there
1: going up against Space El Guapo. Right, You beer swelling pig! You son of a motherless nerf! Son of a motherless nerve.
0: <laughs> we need that. We need that story. All right. So that's going to do it for our character focus. The only thing left that we really have is the vault. Uh, today, actually, is the release of the uh, The Force Awakens for Blu-ray. That's right. Uh, this previous Friday, the day after we're recording this
1: actually, <laughs> was the release of the digital version of the film, but the physical version, which would be on DVD and on Blu-ray, and generally sold in combo packs of both of those with a digital HD code, is today, April 5th, same day that we see the release of Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away Aliens, same day we see the release of of uh, the non-season pass holder version of the Outer Rim DLC. And for those who, like me, care about more than Star Wars and geekdom and gaming, oh yeah, today is the day that we see the release of Quantum Break on Xbox One. But before you pop that game into the system, you might want to watch The Force Awakens, and there are a lot of different versions to choose from. Um, Just to sort of recap this in case you are hearing this prior to making your purchases, most places are going to have a regular... Uh, logo version of the cover of the Blu-ray DVD HD combo pack. We'll just call it the Blu-ray pack. Okay. That one is going to be found most places, easiest to find out there as far as the U.S. goes. If you're looking in the U.K., you'd have a version of that with a white slipcase or a black slipcase that they're calling the light side and dark side covers in some of the lamest possible thematic coloring they could possibly have done as variant covers. They're not even stylized. It's just, here's the logo with the white or a black cover, period. <laughs> right. Yes, very stylish. Um, here in the U.S., if you want to get the version of it that's just on DVD, no Blu-ray, and it's that means no bonus features it looks like either, then you can also pick that up and you should be able to find that from all that I'm seeing. Now, granted, I haven't seen this physically yet. From all that I'm seeing, that's essentially a poster art cover. Now, as far as the variants, if you were to go to Best Buy in the U.S., that's where you'll find the same contents, right? The same disc of the movie on Blu-ray, disc of the bonus features on Blu-ray, disc of the film on DVD, and then your digital HD code. Uh, You'll find it at Best Buy in a Steelbook case version, uh, which has Kylo Ren on the front and Captain Phasma on the back. It doesn't exactly match the look of the previous Steelbooks, but fairly close. If you were to go to Walmart and not walmart.com because at least as of right now they have sold out of them online, at Walmart you'll be able to find a copy with the special BB8 cover, but again, identical content on the inside. The Walmart version also has a special Galactic Connections disc for those who are collecting those, but know that is not a disc of content. It's one of those little like tops collectible things that very few people actually, you know, care about.
0: Now, with that, have they said what the disc is or shown what that disc is? Because, I mean, it's it's out and at this point, and, I, like, I haven't even seen it. I'll be able to
1: tell you next time, or you can check out the YouTube channel and check out the From the Star Wars Home Video Library episode on it as soon as I have them all in my hot little hands, but <laughs> not so far. Um, okay. So far... I've heard conflicting reports, and I'm really hoping they're not doing the idiotic thing that they did with Lego Star Wars Droid Tales, which is where they, in that case, they used just, like, regular cards. But it was three different cards in little cellophane packaging tucked inside the DVD case, and it was, collect all nine cards. So you would have to randomly keep buying copies of that freaking DVD, hoping to get the other prepackaged sets of three cards to eventually have all nine cards. Oh, hell No. That's yeah. an idiotic way to try to trick people into buying more copies. Yeah. Um, it, it's preying on the OCD. and Even a completionist like me, I'm looking at that going, hell no. If you go to Target, you'll be able to get a copy that has a cover made up of those different character posters and one for BB-8 that never had a character poster. Um, kind of this six-part looking cover. And it does have some extra content, but bear in mind this is exclusive digital-only content that you redeem through Disney Movies Anywhere to watch. So there's nothing different inside the packaging. It's just that you're getting this extra streaming thing that you could check out. The other exclusives that were available are actually no longer available, or at least theoretically they're not supposed to be. Um, If you were to have ordered through the Disney store as a pre-order, there's a set of three lithographs. Granted, these lithographs are basically just images from the film, and they're not even great images from the film. But there's three lithographs that you get free from doing a Disney store pre-order along with getting a little thing. for I think it's $10 off another Disney store purchase in the future. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Disney store, you may have also put in pre-orders. Yes, they are shipping the uh, Kylo Ren Light FX figure as well right now for Disney Infinity 3.0. Um, the other pre-order thing that you could, could have done is that digital pre-order set, that so-called limited edition digital movie pre-order pack, which is just that cardboard thing that you could pick up at Walmart and Target and such. Uh, that includes the code for the digital movie and includes the little three basically crappy little cardboard versions of the movie posters pretty much. Uh, neither of neither the lithograph set nor the movie poster one was really seeming like something that caught a lot of fire and really became something people were dying to get. It seems, though, that the things are really kind of split now. There's a lot of diehard fans looking for the Steelbook, a lot looking for that extra Target content, a lot looking for that BB-8 cover. So it seems like the fervor has all been over those physical editions uh, and not really about pre-order bonuses in this case. It's about what do I get on the day of.
0: Right, right. And, uh, you know, to me, I have to say, because I, I went into my Disney store recently, because they were doing a buy one, get one half off. And I'm like, cool, give me some of those elite sig- figure, yeah, Give me some of those elite series figures. But I they had up, they had those little lithographs actually out. And I was like, man, I kind of want those. Because um, the one I saw, of course, was Rey with BB-8, where she's sort of looking up at the Tie Fighters, in um, uh, Takadana. And I can't remember the other two, but I remember just like seeing that. There's water.
1: a Han and Chewie we're home shot. Yes. And there's a Kylo yes. Kylo Ren sort of making his way on takedana shot. It's the, it's the stuff we've seen in publicity photos for the film though, over and over again. It's just they just don't feel. It's like having the other one be just like little cardboard versions of the movie posters. To me, what am I going to do with them? And they don't feel like they're really special enough to warrant hunting down. Granted, as a completist, of course I hunted them down.
0: But only <laughs> right, because I'm right. a
1: completist, not because I thought they were
0: very cool. Well, I, w- I wouldn't mind like framing them and throwing them up in my toy room. But that's just me. But, See, we're
1: doing that. We're doing the reason why I'm I'm actually kind of happy to have all these digital codes, these redundant digital codes, because I've already got the di- the digital pre order code. I don't need four freaking physical copies with pre- with digital codes. Um, is that we're gonna be able to put those codes in and pick up another set to those Disney rewards of the little character posters, because the character posters come in a set of three where they're double sided. So if you want to actually show all six sides, you need two sets of them. And my wife is like, we need to do that for a Star Wars room when we finally get a house. Right. Um, so now it's just like, you know what? There is a purpose to having <laughs> five or whatever it is, digital copies of the same stinking movie.
0: <laughs> right, right. So with the Target one, you know, I, I know it's not, and a lot of people have, have been upset about this, but I know it's not the actual disc that the content's on but i really don't care as long as i can get to it and access it you know it'll take me a second to kind of figure out how to go about doing that but as long as i can access that i'm cool with it like i Mm. that's fine i don't care i just want the content And, and so many people seem to go oh i'm not doing that it'll just end up on youtube anyways and it's like from the way i understand it don't hold your breath on that but then also it's just like well you know i would rather for sure have it instead of having to go to youtube and then maybe later it not be there if i want to access it later i just for me okay it is it's not on a disc but whatever i mean at this point dude i've become so used to current technology that i'm like disk i got to get up like with the uh, <laughs> like with the um the blu-rays for the Lord of the Rings. I was looking at getting those and I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll do this. And then I'm like, wait, these are split into two different discs as well. Like I understood that with the DVDs, but why are we doing that with the Blu-rays? Aren't they supposed to be able to fit like way more information than those? I don't want to get up anymore. Like I'll just do this digitally. I'm not, I'm not going to get up to change a Blu-ray disc. That's ridiculous. So I don't care as much for, for, you know, how I get it. As long as I get it, that's the only thing. I just want that extra 22 minutes. I
1: think it's a question of are you getting it to watch it or are you getting it to collect it? Because the same thing came up when they had the digital HD release of the other six films. I guess it was like April of last year because they put out some new bonus content as they are with this Target content. But it was streaming only. Uh, you could buy the movies like from iTunes. You could buy the movies and download the movies and you've got copies of the movies in case you need them. But the bonus content that you also bought, no, you could not download it. It was streaming through iTunes only, no matter what device you were on. And that angered a lot of people. One, because they didn't really make that clear to begin with. But two, because they were buying these movies for like the upteenth time. So they would have a copy of that bonus material on their computer so that they could watch it anytime, so they would have it sort of archived as part of a collection, a digital collection in this case. Now, granted, from the standpoint of access, it's not that big a deal. You either go online and you get it or you get it off of there. But you still have a little bit of the fears of, well, what if this stops being available? What if this company goes out of business and so forth? You know, how do I get access to my content? Not major concerns, but the concern is still there. And for those who are used to collecting in a physical form, buying something just digitally as part of a collection is tough enough to get your head around without something also being digital only where there's no way to get it. Um, but I would definitely expect that even if people aren't sharing it on YouTube, even if it's just for their own collections, there's going to be a lot of people using things like Jing or the different uh, Screencast-O-Matic, all the different screencasting tools, to simply play the streaming stuff on their computer and capture it right. so that they've got a copy of it saved there, just like... Uh, a lot of people who buy, and, and this this always kind of made me kind of scratch my head, but there's a lot of people who will buy digital comics through Comixology. So they've bought the comic, but they're not quite sure whether it's going to be available forever. So they'll go through and they will screenshot every page of that digital comic and save those screenshots on their hard drive just in case someday they need it. It's that, it's that impulse where it's like the things that we just want to watch for fun just give it to a streaming. Like there's a lot of TV series that I no longer buy on DVD or Blu-ray because we just stream it on Hulu when it's coming out or we stream it on Netflix. But for something you collect, it's a little bit different. And there's just this need for, if not a tangible copy in the best case scenario, at least one that I know I've gotten I can back up so it'll always, quote unquote, always, barring computer failures, be there. Uh, that, I think, is where a lot of these streaming-only frustration is coming from.
0: Right. Right. I guess we'll do a quick shout out. Shoutin', shoutin', shoutin
1: out loud.
0: David Derflinger actually posted on our Facebook page, which anyone can do if you want us to shout your name out as well. That's right. Facebook.com slash Cloud City Casino. Easy to find. That's the one. Nate made it easier. You said I had it all jacked up later. And I'm like, I don't know things. Uh, I, it's It's
1: a feature. But you have to actually choose to use it, so Facebook will make it easy if you choose, otherwise it's gobbledygook, which it (laughs) took me a while to figure out, too, so.
0: Right. So, uh, David says, debating on which one to get, cannot choose between Walmart or Target, and did not even think about the Disney one. Ah, I want them all. And so did you, Nate, so you got them all, so that's an option.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is an option. Um... Of those two, it depends on what you're valuing here. Is Mm -hmm. what you value getting that extra content? If so, the target one is the one to grab. Uh, If it's for the look, then it's just a choice of which look you prefer. I would argue that if there are any of these that are going to sell out, and I doubt we're really going to see a sellout, and if we do, I can't imagine them not immediately putting them back into circulation. But it seems like right now the biggest demand has been for the Walmart one. So, for instance, for me, the only one that I'm even a little bit skittish about being able to pick up on release day when I make my run to three different stores to pick up the three different exclusives all in one little half-hour, hopefully, jaunt. Um, For me, the one that I'm a little skittish about is the Walmart one. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like when people try to rush to get it. I don't know when Walmart's necessarily going to put it out on the shelves. Um, But to me, it's sort of a... I can't imagine, just realistically, I can't imagine the actual physical stores selling out of the BB-8 copy if that's the only kind of copy Walmart has. Like, I could see it if Walmart had regular ones and those out on the shelves at the same time and people are snatching up the BB-8, so all that's left is the regular ones. But from what I understand, all that Walmart will have for the Blu-rays is the BB-8 cases. And it's rare for me to ever go by Walmart and see them sold out of any movie, no matter how big it is. Um, but if it's a matter of scarcity and greater demand, which is going to be the one that people are more looking for later, it'll probably wind up being that BB-8 one simply because of the the virtue of it having BB-8 on it. Right. Um, fortunately, most of these, if you were to buy multiple copies of it, uh, most of these can be had for relatively decent prices so far. But if there's... If there's anything that I have learned from my years now of collecting Star Wars on home video, and it's not that many years, it's just the last few, and trying to go back and get previously released items that are no longer in print, my advice to you would be, if you want it now, get it. If you think you may want it in the future, get it. (laughs) Because once these things are out of print Depending on how many wind up on the secondary market, you could see the prices jump like crazy. Like the 2008 original trilogy slim-cased box set on DVD that very few people bothered to get because we already had bought them previously and had three other opportunities to get them once before two years earlier with the exact same disc that included those bonus versions, those uh, unaltered versions. So many people avoided buying them in 2008 that they became very rare on the secondary market now, so those that used to be relatively affordable can go for upwards of $100 at this point. Um, The Ewok telemovies on DVD are incredibly expensive on eBay right now because they're out of print. There weren't as many printed in the first place, and not as many people picked them up back then. So, again, if you're really on the fence, but you think there's something you're going to want in the future... Try to get it now while you can, or maybe in a month or two when the price drops a little bit, possibly try to get it then. Do not wait until you're running the risk of it going out of print, because as soon as that happens, depending on which version you're looking at, you could be looking at two to three times the retail price to try to get it after the fact, sort of a, a lateness punishment from capitalism.
0: Right. I'm I'm actually wondering, though, if that uh, Best Buy one may not Uh, be an issue just because maybe being
1: a steelbook I think there's a lot of excitement for steelbooks I don't know that steelbook is going to be the thing that causes somebody to choose you know I I could see an impulse buy of someone walking into Walmart going oh I'm going to pick up The Force Awakens isn't that cute it's BB-8 I kind of feel like if somebody's already in Best Buy on that day they're probably already thinking about it anyway
0: right they're less
1: likely to just be walking by because they're buying groceries or something and say hey I want this uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not as concerned about the steelbook, but there is a lot of interest for the steelbook, despite the fact right. that it doesn't actually look like the other steelbooks, which <laughs> is asinine.
0: But so there's, well, there's two things with that though. For one, to me, see, I don't care as much for, for the, the, the actual case portion because, you know, that used to be something that I was into uh, when I used to collect DVDs and stuff like that. And then I've, like I said, I've got, I've fallen to the lazy ways of the current, uh, media or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't care because it, it's for the most part, it's going to stay on my DVD shelf and I'm not going to be able to really notice what that cover looks like anyways. You know, I'll pull it out to go. Yep. This is the correct one disc in the tray. God, that was so much work. And then I watch <laughs> it and then I put it back. Uh, at least with a steel book, you, it looks different from the rest, unless you have a ton of steel books, but sure. in that case, see, then you need it because you collect steelbooks, apparently.
1: <laughs> see, for so. me, the steelbook is almost a, a negative to have. Because they look awesome by themselves, and they feel cool when you're handling them by themselves. Right. But multiple times, I'll try to record something for from the Star Wars Home Video Library for the, the channel, and I will pull out all the steelbooks at once, because they're sitting on the shelf right next to each other, and try to carry them together. Steelbook next to steelbook is slippery, extremely so. They will squirt out of your hands <laughs> like you're mishandling a bottle of ketchup. Um, so to me, steelbooks, as cool as they look, if you're going to have multiple steelbooks that you're trying to keep in a collection together, I'm almost of the screw it mindset because I they're just a pain in the butt to try to carry together. Uh, right. I don't know steel. That's that's part of why I've never really gotten the appeal of steelbooks is, I mean, they look neat, but if you're collecting them, isn't it like you're basically covering your entire home video collection in Greece? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a ridiculous imagery. Um, yeah. And plus you're giving your money to Best Buy, which no one should tr- want to do anyways. Uh, to me, the thing is though, like I said, Best Buy is, there's not as many Best Buy stores around as there used to be. So that one, I can see that one being a little more difficult, but between that, I mean, you're not getting anything really extra between that and the BB 8 cover. Uh, yeah, you get the little uh galactic connections disc, but I mean, is that I don't know how many people that's really intriguing unless you already collect those galactic connection discs, meh, you know. Uh, plus, like I said, we don't even know what the crap it looks like. Um, I, you know, for me, it, it's easy. I'm like, just go with that target one. The only other one that I'm like, oh, I kind of want, or I just really want those lithographs, which you said that's done and over. Like that's you can't even get those anymore at this point. From what I understand, they were a pre-order
1: only thing mm-hmm. uh, through DisneyStore.com, or I think you, you can actually pre-order in the actual Disney Store. And I, I'm not sure you may even be able to walk away with them that day when you pre-order at the Disney that's Store. It. But just from the standpoint of The way they advertised it, their advertising constantly said pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. Like my wife does the whole Disney buy mail, you know, I'll get these movies cheap and then I'll buy this many more within X amount of months. And every time you send me something in the mail, I got to send you something back that says, no, I don't want it. Or you're automatically sending and billing me thing. Right. It's called Disney Movie Club, which is a much more succinct way of saying it. Um, But this month's is The Force Awakens. As the one that you would get if you, don't, if you, you know, don't turn in the thing saying no. And there is a Disney-based lithograph that comes with it as a bonus, but it's not Star Wars related at all. Which makes me think that, yes, they are sticking to the whole pre-order line. Because even the Disney movie club people aren't being given that as bait to buy it through them.
0: Right. Let's see, I wonder, if, um, I wonder if I went in there. Now, when you pre-order it, do you have to pay everything down?
1: it depends on where you're pre-ordering it through.
0: I and mean, if you pre-order it
1: in a store, usually you're going in, like, for instance, if I when I pre-order that, the digital HD copy, uh-huh. and I buy the little cardboard thing that had the little mini posters in it, you're paying the entire price of the digital to get that, and you're basically just waiting until the day that it becomes available to download. Um, depending on the store, right? some stores, if you do a pre-order, you're just putting money down. Um, it usually depends on whether you're carrying something out with you, um, so it just kind of depends. I don't know how Disney Store deals with it. I know that the Disney Store website didn't do the like. Apparently, it's already on its way to me mm-hmm. through the mail. On and this is Thursday, so hopefully, I may have it a little bit early. Right. Um, but they didn't bill to the credit card any of it until it was shipping. But that's the website, which may have a, a significant different policy than the store does.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. See, that's what you I- just
1: want to go in. And put down for a pre-order, get them, and then cancel it, aren't you?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was wanting You say. are one of those people. <laughs> that's Because, I mean, look, man, if it's like, all right, you can pre-order for five bucks, and then they give you those uh, lithographs, and then just walk away, I'm like, yeah, uh, I'll pay five like bucks for these. You're
1: like one of those people. You're, you're why they can't send our bonus codes for our Amazon video games until the day it comes out through email, because they used to send out your little pre-order bonus codes, and then people would cancel them.
0: I don't. I don't feel guilty though. you are part of the
1: problem, my friend. I don't. I don't part feel, feel guilty. Of the problem.
0: I don't feel guilty at all because, <laughs> because I'll tell you, it's this whole pre-order thing. Anyways, that's a big problem with, um, like, for instance, video games. Now, granted, I've seen the Force Awakens. And I know it's good, and, and I don't care for that. But we've become this pre-order society. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, you don't know what it is, but pre-order, pre-order. Try going into GameStop, man. You'd be like, hey, oh, I, God, need, yeah. I need to use the bathroom. They're like, would you like to place a pre-order? And they're like, no, dude, get away from me. You Although
1: pretty soon, if you try to use the restroom at GameStop, they're going to require you to have already pre-ordered your toilet paper. So you got to make sure you're paying <laughs> right.
0: attention. I don't actually think there is a restroom, at least one, that they would let you use. Yeah, but yeah I would not, just say.
1: not not, at any GameStop I've ever been. They're all like, beat right. on yourself. We don't care how long this line is. We're going to make sure to ask them about pre-ordering everything. And the next person in front of you will be asked about everything. And the mm-hmm. next person will be asked about everything. Yeah. I don't care if you have a urinary tract infection by the time <laughs> this is done with.
0: Wait, And you can even be like, oh, I want to uh, put down some pre-orders for like five games. Or like, do you want to pre-order anything else? Like, I thought five was enough, loser. No! <laughs> so, yeah. Like I said, w- when it comes to the pre-order stuff, I don't feel bad. You know, and Plus, it, I really want those lithographs.
1: It makes me sit back and wonder. Uh I think I just realized something else going on behind the scenes in The Force Awakens. Uh It's not just, I'll take that piece of junk for just a quarter portion. I bet you anything Unkar Plutt is back there (laughs) pre-ordering food for people. Oh, yeah. You want to order this portion? I know you want to order this portion. I found out in one of the guides recently... Um, that not only is he the one providing the portions, he's the one providing the distilled water that yep. you can use to make the food in the first place from the portions. So Unkar Plutt is a, is, I was about to just call him like an intergalactic douche, but I think all you really need to say is that he, he manages GameStop or, or acts as a GM for GameStop. That's right. GameStop employee. I've known some GameStop employees that are really cool, really nice people, but boy, there's a corporate mindset there. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised it's not GameStop presented by EA. Right. Is that too far?
0: <laughs> That's I think we I think too we too many devils it. in one basket. Think talking we, about a mixed metaphor. I think we got it all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was maybe I'm giving credit to the wrong person. But I also don't care because what do I got to lose? But I'm, I'm pretty sure that was in the uh, Ray Survival Guide that our buddy Jason Fry wrote. So
1: it was mentioned in there. I know it was also mentioned in the uh, they months late they put out the uh, the Force Awakens official story guide magazine that had a few. Interesting little details in it, like the fact that apparently uh, the Knights of Ren are formed after what happens with Luke and Kylo at the Jedi Academy, because uh, he's the one that creates them. He's not he's the master of the Knights of Ren, not because he's a member of the Knights of Ren and has reached the the rank of master. He's the creator of the Knights of Ren. Like okay. No. That would have been awesome to see somewhere else and actually provide that background information instead of it having to be in a magazine months later. But thanks.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Anything else?
0: All right. So that's everything that we have for this show, unless you got anything, Nate. Oh, I'm good. I'm surprised we've stretched it this far. Yeah, I know, man. We <laughs> we got a ton out of this. So that's going to do it for this edition of Cloud City Casino. We'd love to hear from you in the meantime, so shoot us an email over at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at Cloud City Casino. And of course, Nate has set up our Facebook page to make it easier, which is just what? Facebook slash Cloud City Casino?
1: Yep, Facebook.com slash Cloud City Casino. Run that all together as one word.
0: All right. And of course, we are at Star Wars Report.com. And uh, you can download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And take a moment there and uh, leave us a review. Five stars, preferably. Write it out. You know this show is awesome, Nate. Yeah. hilarious. Y'all are making
1: me. Y'all making me feel inadequate. Yeah. The last reviews talks about how great and funny Bruce was, and I'm like, great. Now, how am I gonna fill his
0: shoes? <laughs> That's right. So, so put something on there and be like, Nate, doing a great job, man. Just, you know what? Do it right. Just, th- just
1: patronize
0: him. Pause. Is that what you saying? Pretty pa- much. Pause. Pause this and do it right now. We'll wait. All right, and we're back. We know you just did that. Thank you very much. So just leave us a review there. We'd really appreciate that. And, uh, of course, I can be found on Twitter at Morris Isley. And, Nate, you got some places, man. Where where can people find you?
1: All right, well, you can find Star Wars Beyond the Films and the Star Wars Reports Rebels Roundtable, which right around the time this episode of Cloud City Casino is being released will be releasing its final episode. You can find both on StarWarsReport.com. You can find my video content, Fantasy Flight Games reviews from the Star Wars Home Video Library and so forth. Uh, my new Star Wars vlog and ask some questions. I'd be happy to answer them as part of the vlog over at YouTube.com user slash chronoradio. Again, all is one word. C-H-R-O-N-O like chronology and radio. Just run that together. You can also find, of course, the Star Wars Timeline Gold, the most comprehensive Star Wars chronology available anywhere at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. And any of my old podcasts are all linked through StarWarsFanWorks.com as well. Uh, you can also, of course, catch up with me as well on Facebook. We, of course, link over to the Cloud City Casino page. Uh, but uh, just do a search. Do a search by my name or do a search for any of those projects like the Timeline Gold and uh, you should find the Facebook page.
0: All right. So that's it for us. And scoundrels, scoundrels, Always remember, let the wookiee win.
1: Kind of wonder what happened to the wookiee with those counterfeit credits. Just we'll see how well he's faring. So our next big light side matchup to get into the final four would be Yoda and my. <laughs> it's going off.
0: <laughs> the his head itself appeared in uh, the cantina for a new hope. Um, son of a bitch! This party's over.